yeah, like, I'm always trying to refine and tighten out my voice, but I think, it, you know, I feel comfortable saying that it's not, that it is outside of, you know, my relationship to white people or, like, racism or whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, it is a big part of it, of course, but... For sure, yeah, that um, should never go away. Yeah, it should never go away. I'm not going to say that, but I also, like, talk about, like dating or like whatever you know i mean i don't even you know yeah my sets are like about dating or work or you know other stuff like i don't know yeah just totally. like about me um and i'm still refining on like my twitter jokes and stuff about all kinds of dumb shit <laughs> so but yeah it's like freedom to be dumb hey it's brazil talk with me new york i know you have it yeah Humans, welcome back to another episode of La Mescla, the show where we explore all the intricacies, intersections, and intense awkwardness of being a first-gen or mixed-race human who grew up in this country of ours. My name is Adrian Burke. I'm the creator and host of this show, and I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, bienvenidos a todos mis seguidores mexicanos que están nuevos aquí. Uh, I just gained a bunch of... Uh, Weirdly, in the last week, gained a bunch of followers in Mexico City. Uh, so really excited to have all of you here. And let's get into the show. And my guest today is the amazing and prolific as fuck Millie Tamares. I was so excited to have Millie on. Millie is a stand-up and comedic actor and writer based out of Brooklyn. Uh, she's written for a ton of places. She's been featured on MTV, Vice, BET, Flama, Above Average, Univision, and Comedy Central. Uh, she's one of the creators of Flex, a satire magazine for people of color, and a co-creator of the Diverse as Fuck Festival, uh, which is a very popular festival in New York that highlights diversity in comedy. Uh, Millie is a, a fucking pioneer in our field, uh, and I was so excited to have her on. Uh, we talked about growing up in Miami with a Dominican family, moving to LA and then eventually to New York to pursue comedy, uh, and about her trip to Japan and her exploits in dating in the New York scene. Uh, this was a really great wide-ranging conversation, uh, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Material shit don't make you rich. Uh, so let's just get started. Hi, Millie. Hi. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming in today. Uh, welcome to La Mescla, uh, the show where we just talk about our culture and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. So let's just uh, get started easy. So where are your parents from? Where did you grow up? Um, my parents are from the Dominican Republic, and I grew up in Miami. Okay. Where in Miami? I grew up uh, just outside of Miami proper. It's a city called Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Just in between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And you grew Miami. up there your whole childhood. Um. Yeah, I went to. I mean, I I was born here, probably until I was like four or something. I was in DR. Okay. And then when I turned eighteen, I went to college in California. Uh, wait. So you were you were born here? Or you were born in DR. Here. And then you went to the DR for four mm -hmm. years. Oh, that's cool. Do you mm -hmm. remember a lot of it? Um, the house that I grew up in, or we owned that house for a while. So when oh. I was in high school, I would go back to the house that I was like grew up in. So those memories kind of blend, but yeah. I don't really remember. I remember like our first houses in Florida, mm. but not really. That's awesome. Did, were there a lot of Dominican kids in that area in Florida? Um, so right, so, um, 
There were just a few Dominican families. There are always a lot of Caribbean, obviously Cuban. Yeah. And some Puerto Rican. When I was growing up, it was like very heavily Cuban. And there are some Dominican families, especially like the neighborhood that I live in. Yeah. There were some Dominican families. And as I started um, getting older and in New York, I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> so unprofessional. I'm pissed um, off. Okay. Um, and as I start, it was a hinge message. Hey. As, as I started um, getting older and living in New York longer, it became more and more of a Dominican neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and there's even like, like super, especially like, I'm talking about like the one mile square radius of where I, like my, my family's house is in uh-huh. is super Dominican. And there's even like, a, a, like restaurants that are in the Heights are in my same area of what Florida. like what yeah. like what restaurants there's a, a restaurant called mama sushi which is like dominican sushi okay and it has i like, didn't even know that was a thing yeah dominican sushi so it's basically like sushi but they'll, it's like sushi fusion and they'll have like plant sweet plantains in the sushi roll oh, that's really cool it's like actually it's pretty delicious and like fusion of dominican food and japanese food that's uh, actually in, there's a ton of japanese and chinese food in peru in like peruvian culture yeah like yeah. aro chaufa is like a huge thing yeah yeah, yeah 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 so there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of every kind of latino in miami so there's like a really popular um colombian and peruvian chain called la granja uh-huh. and yeah they have they have that chaufa. but the, but you go there for the rotisserie chicken yeah um they have like rotisserie chicken black rice white I mean, Ooh. black beans, white rice for like $5 and they have like a ton different sauces. They have like 10 or 15 different sauces. Or, oh shit, I'm so... You know, so... like the Peruvian sauces? Yeah, yeah like the, the salsa verde. Yeah. yeah, and then they have like white sauce yeah, and yeah, like yeah. green, yellow, so yeah. The uh, Is that a uh, ajiamarillo? The one, that's a Peruvian sauce. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. the sausage, the sauces and they have like the the onions with cilantro and shit, you know, all the different yeah, yeah. like toppings. Ooh, I'm hungry now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah, uh, so Cool. Like... So what, so you, what, what kind of schools did you go to there? Were you going to public school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went to public school. Um, when I was in middle school, I transferred to charter school. Okay. And that was, you know, because I didn't grow up, I like to say where I grew up, like Hollywood, because it's like outside, you know, it's not... My, I say Miami because it's easier, uh-huh. but I would say, like, I really compare, I thought about this a lot, like, Hollywood to Yonkers. That's where I'm from. Yonkers? Yeah, I'm yeah. from Yonkers. So, I think it's, like, Yonkers because it's, it's like, outside of the, you know, my, but it's very close. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not like it's, like, a complete suburb. It has its own metropolitan, its yeah. own downtown. It has, like, rough areas, mm-hmm. and then it has, like, really nice areas. Um, so that's yeah, a good the, that's pretty much exactly what Yonkers is. Yeah. It's like literally just north of the Bronx. Like it's mm-hmm. just north enough that it's not the city and people yeah. still call me upstate and it pisses yeah. me up. Well, yeah, well my sister lives in the North Bronx. Mm-hmm. So, um you know when she goes like, you know, to the gym or to go to it's all in Yonkers, like to the movies sometimes yeah. cross it's easier for her to go drive to that, up go there. Go to that Ridge Hill Mall. Yeah, Ridge Hill Mall's beautiful, cross country mall. They have that indoor skydiving place. My yeah, I know my sister's been there. <laughs> yeah, I've been mom, all of that shit. My mom desperately wants to go inexplic- inexplicably wants to go indoor skydiving. You should go. I mean it's cheap and they give you a free video or Did something. Did you go? 
No, my sister and my nephew went. They had a great time. Oh, that's so fun. Um, I think Rachel Tanzler has been to one of those. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, because she posted a video. I'll definitely do it. I'll do it, and I'll post it on the page for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of what kind of kids are you are you hanging out with Dominican kids when you're in co- when you're in college when you're in school? Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's like Dominican, Haitian, Jamaican. Uh-huh. Um, my mom owns a salon, so a lot of her clients are Haitian and Jamaican. Uh-huh. Um, was it a I thing mean, like where in your house, like being Dominican was like the thing or was it just kind of like we're here with all these other cultures and just, I think that, you know, my parents are very liberal, uh-huh. very progressive. Um, they, you know, a lot of Dominicans have really, um, bad like race issues mm-hmm. like especially like the older generations um they really like i mean you know there's a, there's a lot of complicated reasons why dominicans like deny their blackness mm-hmm. they don't say that they're black they disassociate you know they, they you know whatever but my parents aren't like that my mom you know especially because my mom owns salons so she, like a lot of our money would come from yeah Black clients. She was stuff. actually engaging with those people instead yeah. of just demonizing them. But also, too, I mean, you know, something that I learned uh, when I went to California, uh-huh. you know, where it's just bl- uh, black is separate, Mexican separate, mm-hmm. and white is separate. And then there's Asian people, and there's tons of different kind of Asian, you know, obviously. Right. There's uh, Cambodian, uh, you know, Vietnamese, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're kind of all separate, too. Um, so it's not like this, like, kind of melting pot that, you know... Even though it's like that in Miami, it's all still kind of Latino and Caribbean. Mm-hmm. It's not really like tons of different countries, but I, um, I, yeah, like I didn't, you know, I wasn't Latino on the West Coast. I was black. That's really you know? interesting. Yeah. So we're in Florida or and even, you know, and I talked about this in another pot, like, um, in like some YouTube channel that I did some YouTube. Oh, I saw it. I watched. Oh it. yeah, the grapevine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I I mean that show is super interesting because it's like you know you can get like perspectives from like tons of black millennials. But I think that yeah, I think to me I associated like black and blackness with, um, yeah, like black American. Like mm. your grandparents speak English. You're descended from slaves in the United States. Like, that's who I saw was black. Yeah. So, to me, you know, um, and I think a lot of people think like this, and I used to think like this, um, race was, con- like, uh, race was confused with ethnicity. Yeah, for sure. And, like, co- like you know, country. And, um, you know, that's not the case. So, to me, a Jamaican person, I didn't see them as black. I would be like, oh, they're Jamaican. Just Jamaican person. They yeah. just got to America like two days ago. Yeah. But you know they have black skin, yeah. But like their experience and a like a black, you know. So I yeah, yeah. But as soon as they set foot in America, they are black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's just so different and so American. Yeah. So unique to America. And it's so different in every city. I mean, I'm a- I imagine it's completely different in New York where. It- like Dominican culture is super dominant. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and Miami is like that too. Honestly, especially like as I keep going back, so it's like really weird to like go to college and like try to you know 
there's no food. There's no Dominican food. There's nothing. Yeah. I try to speak Spanish with Mexican people, and they're like, what the fuck? Or they're like, wow, what'd you learn Spanish? Yo, I can't understand Dominican people. <laughs> Spanish is my first language. I cannot. I mean, I can they speak kind fast, of. Yeah. But, yeah, Mexicans speak very slow. But um, where in Miami, it's, like, super, like, and my parents don't speak to me in English at all. Mm. Like, and I don't, I didn't notice it. I just started becoming aware of it. Like, and I guess people have assumptions, you know, even people who I went to college with, they would have assumptions like, oh, yeah, 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 you're like, you know, you're you're Latino, whatever. Yeah. Like, they would do these quotes, but you're not really. And they would come visit me, and, mm-hmm. like, my parents would just, like, tell me things in Spanish or this, and I didn't even know. Yeah. My friends are like, do your parents, like, speak? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess they do. Huh. And I now I have to tell that to people because people just don't assume, like, Oh yeah, she's probably like whatever, but you know. What what is what is like usually the guess when people take that first shot? Oh, you know, it depends, right? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. It depends where I'm at. Of Here, well, even some Dominicans, because a lot of Dominican um, women don't leave their hair curly. I mean, it's changing a lot, especially like you know with like natural hair acceptance and yeah. all. You know, as we, you know, it's like a. Has your hair always been curly? Have you always left? It I mean, hair? my hair is yeah. I mean, my hair is naturally curly. I think in Miami it's hard because it's so humid. Mm. So my mom owns salon. So in her salon she would just blow dry straight, straight, straight. That's right, like the right. Dominican blowout. Yeah. But you know I could go out for like two two minutes and it's so humid my hair would just frizz up immediately. So I never got to have my hair straight. And then also like I was a huge scene kid, and like a big part of the scene, you know, a big part of scene stuff was straight hair. Uh-huh. So it fucking killed me that I couldn't have like these cool. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> have these cool bangs or like razor cuts or anything because of my hair was so curly. Yeah. So I just dyed my hair purple. Um, but you know when I went when I when I came here for like my first few years in New York, I, um. My first few years in New York. I'm just going to call that out. Somebody just poked their head. Oh, got it. Somebody just poked their head into the window to the studio. Very, like, distractingly. But keep going. <laughs> um, the, yeah, so when I first came here, I would get my hair straightened, like, every every two, three years. I mean, every every week or two weeks, uh-huh. I would just religiously get my in the in the winter I would have my hair straight in because it was like supposedly easier. Yeah. It is easier maintenance day to day to like have your hair straight, but then yeah, but it's so much upkeep going to do it all the time, right? It's basically like either you have like you take fifteen to twenty minutes every day, mm. or you take one once a week or once even every two weeks to go to a salon for two three hours. Mm. So it's a trade you know, off. It's a trade off, yeah. But um, my hair was just so unhealthy. You know, it was like, you know, it was like breaking a lot and stuff. So I was like, you know, and then also like, I just saw myself planning my whole week. You know, it's hard in New York um, doing comedy, working a day job, um, going on dates. Yeah. Uh, Get trying them to have a social, Getting them hinge, hinge dates. dates. I know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, getting, having a social life, like going out with your friends. Yeah. Um, and then, like, also having, like, some kind of, like, healthy lifestyle. True. You know, like, working out, some doing something. And I, you know... Yeah, because when you're doing comedy, you're eating pizza at 4 a.m. You're drinking a whole yeah. bunch of beers. You're eating, you know, yeah, yeah. eating shit. So you want to, like... So, but what I was doing when my hair was straight was, like, I would, like, okay, I got my... You know, I have to work out before my hair, and then I have to plan this, and I have to do... You know, and it was just, like, so much stress yeah. to... To try to have all of this and 
and you know have my hair straight you know it was just so much it's just one more thing it's one more one more thing so yeah even today like oh i went i did this exercise class oh i'm gonna take a shower oh you know whatever like you know but um that also took but for me to like transition to not straightening my hair at all um i actually worked for a brazilian company oh okay it was it was this really cool company where it was started by two afro-brazilian women Uh uh-huh and um uh, I don't work for them anymore, but I just really like this mission. Um, but basically, you know, both of them, you know, Brazil is like one of the blackest countries yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And more African people than, you know, than like most countries in Africa. Something like that. Like, if you think about how many black people there are in the U.S., only 5% of the slave trade came to the U.S. Oh, yeah. It was big like in Peru, 80, too. Yeah, 80% or something. I um, Peru, I... I studied a Peru Negro. Have you heard of them? No. It's um this uh like uh touring culture like Shen Shen what Shen yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like cultural but like of Black Peruvians. Oh, that's awesome. And they have like um really popular like songs and stuff. Con el cajón probably. Yeah, in the cajón. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen them live in like UCLA and stuff. Oh, that's they, dope. They I gotta tour check it out. and it's really cool. It's called Peru Negro. Um, there's like a few really cool like black Peruvian activists, which is what we talked about in that like this dialogue discussion yeah. from the grapevine. Yeah, was like I think, um, and this will go back to like me, whatever. But <laughs> I think like a lot of people, like black people, black American people, and even you know they see some you know there are a lot of Dominicans that deny their blackness or whatever, and but now they see like now with the word Afro Latino, mm-hmm. like there's like. A, a, a definition like uh, there's language to an identity that a lot of people yeah, identify with. it feels with. like Afro-Latino has sort of only happened in the last few years. Exactly. Because for a long time you just had, I mean, there's the whole debate between like what the difference between Hispanic and Latino, like these political yeah. terms that have now become the norm and all that. Exactly. So I think like, I feel like there are a lot of Dominicans and, you know, a lot of Latinos in general who like, don't see themselves like as any part of blackness or any you know attributing anything but and then there are a lot that do yeah but they just didn't have a language to identify themselves at yeah as and then you know with afro-latino popping up it's not like it's a new identity that like people just it's just like now there's a word for it yeah, of a, like it's you an know, easier I'm, way to describe exactly it. so i think you know a lot of the frustration in that dialogue that i was in was like okay well there's people who just choose one day they're black and one day they're latino and like mm. you know can we really stand like are you really here for black lives matter which i totally get yeah but you know it, you know what, what we were discussing was like you're really denying like years of activism mm. and of all that st- you know what i mean when you do that when you do that because there have been like black people in peru yeah. in mexico in dominican republic they've been fighting for their rights for so long yeah in cuba like i mean that's basically like fidel Basically, they had the civil rights yeah. movement in Cuba, and like the black people won. But I was like, everyone's equal, and then all the white Cubans left, yeah. and now they all vote Republican. And then you have Marco, Marco Rubio baby. and Ted Cruz, baby. Oh Jesus uh, Christ! But that's but that's also who I went to school with too. Mm. Like that. Yeah, was there were there a lot of like conservative Latinos? Yes, 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 yes. Especially because I, um, you know, I think like I think that people's identity and how they view themselves like obviously comes from like where they grew up and stuff yeah and i totally see a difference between like i'm not somebody who had this whole crisis like i was the only person of color it was like a 
school full of white kids. Yeah. That wasn't the case at all. So I'm like very secure in that part. But you know, the, but anyway, my view of Latin, Latino shit was so different because like all like the pot, like the rich girls who were like played tennis and had sweaters around their neck, they're all Cuban. And they're all like kind of racist and they're all super Republican. Uh. And like those were like the, and then even, um, so it was much more stratified by class than anything. I mean, well, they happen to be white, Cuban. And they yeah, like yeah. super assimilate. Like Cuban American, you know what I mean? I don't want to speak for everybody. Sure, right? of course. Yeah. Um, and this is a cause from like, you know, um, any country that had any kind of communist, like, you know, uh, revolution, you know, Vietnam or whatever. Yeah. The people that escape, like, want nothing to do with that, so they, like, go all the way to the right. Yeah, that's something from past episodes of this show. Like, the people whose parents came from difficult circumstances who, who fled political unrest, they're the ones who are like, nah, we're American. We yeah, speak English, exactly. like, you're going to wear fucking Skechers or mm-hmm. whatever. There's that, and there's also, like, it's also, like, you know, I understand, too, that it's cooler it's cool and accepted now to be like, uh, I'm this, like, I'm Dash American. I'm, like, Cuban American. I'm Dominican, you know. I'm, it's cool to, like, speak multiple languages. It's, mm-hmm. like, you know, with, like, millennials and stuff. But, like, for people who came in older de- generations, um, they, uh, you know, their way of surviving was to assimilate and, like, don't let people know. And even right. if they look white and present white, whatever, they're still never, you know, and like Jewish people and Italian people and Irish people just became white like 50 years ago. Yeah. So like that, that's a, that's a reality too. But anyway, there's this kid who, um, you know, everyone called him rooster and he was <laughs> like this redneck kid. He had a mohawk. <laughs> he would have this, his fam, like his house was like the most redneck house in my neighborhood. Cause I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of like, it was like a lot of houses with front and backyards, like yeah, one story yeah, yeah, houses yeah. and stuff. And like, the, you know, everyone's house had so much character. So his house had like fucking, I think they might have had a Confederate, I don't know, but they had like, um, their Christmas lights were bass fishes. Oh my God. And then like, they would throw tons of parties. It's kind of gross now because they would throw like, they would throw the biggest parties in all the high school and I have tons of high school kids. Yo. And like some of the that guy's uncles would be there. And they were all like just super redneck. This kid like goes fishing, rooster, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember like I finally got invited to one of those parties. And I was like, oh my God. What, those were the cool parties? Um, Like that was this guy's house. Uh-huh. But the people that he knew, he knew like he was friends with all like the popular like baseball kids. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, popularity was a little different because there were just so many groups and the campus was so huge. There was like 3,000 kids in my high school. Shit. So, you know, like there are people who were like popular and everyone knew, but like they weren't like, oh, they're better, you're a loser. I don't know. I didn't see it like that. But um, but uh, but all the like sports teams, football, they were, all the cool kids would go to hang out, like go to this guy's house. <laughs> go to Rooster's house. Rooster's house. So... Um, I, you know, my first time at this party, I was like 15. I had a spirit off ice. I was so fucking drunk. <laughs> I was walking around this guy's house and I see mail and I like look at it and it's Rodriguez. Like Paul Rodriguez. Like Rodriguez. Oh, no shit. They're all, they're all Cuban. Oh, that's and I hilarious. I no fucking idea. But like that. With red hair? Um, no, not red hair. Just a mohawk. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But like that is, that is Florida. Like they're just a, so like, like a black, black person who, you know, whatever. Um, and then they're like speaking Spanish on a white, like a redneck, like that. And they're, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I guess like the first time 
I was like, oh, this looks like my, like, Moonlight. Have you seen Moonlight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, like, oh, that looks like my high school. <laughs> <laughs> like, that high school of, like, those kids and, like, how the school's, like, indoor, outdoor. Yeah. Like, that was totally, like. So, when do you, when do you move to New York? I moved after I graduated college in 2011. Which, where, where'd you go to college? In Florida? In, in California. On oh, the West right. Coast, right, right, yeah, right, right, right. For four years. And I, w- I studied abroad in Japan. That was the whole thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. What was that like? Did people... Were, did people look at you crazy? Yeah, well, where I was at was, like, where I studied abroad, the sister city's Portland. Okay. I mean, there's a sister city, it's, like, kind of the same. So it's, like, Portland's, like, it's, like, a metropolitan area. It's not, like, rural, but it's not, like, a major city, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not a major, like, international city. Okay. The way that New York or Tokyo or Paris is, you know? Yeah. So the city was really small, and the international community was even smaller. What was the name of the city? Sapporo, okay. where they make the beer. Oh, cool. Um, so, it you know, and again, like, it was, I just couldn't deal with, like, people have never seen anyone that's looked like me at all. Yeah. Like, they couldn't calculate that. Like, my eyes were so big. You know, first of all, I'm, like, bigger in size. That's weird. You're also taller. Like, isn't everybody really uh, short? No, I mean, you know, they're, like, not really. Like, okay. you know, like, between five and six feet. Yeah, it's pretty, like, people are shorter, but I'm not, like, towering yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. You know, like, I'm five six, so. Uh, but, um, you know, and my hair, when I, they had no idea that my hair was, like, naturally curly. They, like, they really thought I, like, got a per. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah. The idea that like my hair naturally does this is like a completely foreign concept. Completely. So I would have a lot of people just staring at me, like a lot, like staring, like staring at my like just like I killed their parents or something. Like <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like I'm just here, you know. So that was kind of exhausting, and I think like, but I I saw a lot of stuff like you know. You know, I studied anthropology and sociology. So I think a lot about cultures and stuff. And I saw, like, I could, I feel like I could objectively see, like, the good parts about being, you know, like, you know, I I had a host family. So uh, I had a lot of little host brothers and sisters. And they all, like, lived in a neighborhood. And what would happen, like, one kid, this is, like, like really cool thing. Like, one kid would go to the next-door neighbor's house and get the kid. And then there'd be two of them, and they would go to the third house and three. And then by, you, so they all walk throughout the neighborhood. And, like, by the time they go to school, like, there's, like, 30 kids walking together to school. But, you know, they stop at each person's house. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's, and like, an actual that. way to build community. Yeah, right exactly. So, like, you know, like, this is so cool, and it's safe, blah, blah, blah. But, like, then, like, the race thing is so, like, just constantly, people would take pictures of me, mm. and, like, that kind of shit is, like, exhausting. Yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. Because, and the thing is, um, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, went to teach English. You know, when I graduated, it was kind of, like, the, 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 the beginning of the end of the recession, okay, you know, but it was still a recession, so yeah. it was really hard to get a job. Yeah, uh, when I graduated, like there was like no jobs, um, so a lot of my friends were like moving t- across, you know, moving abroad to teach English, and um, 
You know, I thought about going to Japan for a year or two, but I was like, I can't, like, live there. I couldn't, you know, this sounds, like, superficial, but, like, I can't get my hair done. I can't. Well, as we've covered, that's not actually that superficial. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. But, like, just, like, I can't, you know, I'm always going to be a foreigner. I've always, you know, even though America has its problems, like, you are, you know, you could eventually be, like, Dominican-American or whatever. Right. Uh, but um, in Japan, you'll never be even like people who, whose families were like Korean slaves, they don't have Japanese citizenship. Like it's so. Wow. I mean, honestly, like, like alt right and like white supremacists. You know, not to say that Japanese people are like racist or you know like that, but the way that they're like citizenship process and a lot of concepts and they're so, mm. you know, the insular parts like are like ideal. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, like uh, Richard Spencer looks at Japan as like an ideological, like that's what America should be. Oh, for sure. And that like yeah. it never integrates. And you could say whatever. that about lots of countries too. Yeah, exactly. But that's one of know, the things that like when people who don't have uh, immigrant parents or who don't have like connections to other countries or who are just like justifiably like yeah, there's a lot wrong with America, but people will be like, "Fuck this!" Like this country's trash. Like whatever, and I'll be like, "Well, like kind of the country where my mom comes from is like." kind of more profoundly fucked up in so many ways yeah i mean it's just different too but i think you know they did do a study on like brazil because there's a lot of brazilian japanese people yeah so they did like a study on like brazilian japanese people that live in brazil versus brazilian japanese people that live in japan that's really interesting and basically like in brazil it's a lot easier um you know, to let you know, huh. uh, assimilate. I mean, not assimilate, but it was a lot easier, like, not as much social pressures and stuff to like fit in or this and that. It's like kind of more right. individual, anyway. So, th- back to like how I transitioned <laughs> Ooh, with the whole circle, but anyway, there's these two Brazil uh, Afro Brazilian women, and one of them worked in McDonald's, and the other one worked as a housekeeper, uh, for like a white family in Brazil, and she had like you know curly or like like kinky hair uh-huh. and the the house the owner you know her boss was like you need to do something about that hair like you can't just have it like this you know you need to get a perm you need to do you know what i mean it's unprofessional I mean, right. that's right yeah, yeah. um and she started experimenting with conditioners and experimenting with things and her friend like you know started like help you know the friend that worked at mcdonald's and they started to build um salons and product lines uh. and stuff for like afro-brazilian women like especially like low-income afro-brazilian women to like you know embrace their curls and all this stuff and they build like a huge empire and then basically they run it like the way that um mcdonald's is run um what do you mean by that the way that like you know how um the business model of mcdonald's is that you can go to any mcdonald's and it's all going to taste the same, you know, okay, I mean? yeah. a consistency level. Whereas like in beauty salons, people wait for like this one stylist, like Susan, and you're waiting for like two hours for Susan to cut your hair. So they standardize everything. So they standardize everything. everything. Gotcha, it's like a yeah. really, really rigorous training process for their, uh, for how they style hair, you know, so like you can go anywhere. So it's like to cut down on the wait time and like right. production and the waiting. It, it's makes, really it cool. makes it more accessible to everybody. Yeah, exactly. So I was like helping with their lunch and then I got all their products and like then I just started like leaving my hair curly and stuff. That's like 
<laughs> we got there we eventually. Got there, we, got there. we had to travel through Japan to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had to do a detour. All right, so let's talk about New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how has it been different in New York uh, having, I mean, having more Dominican people around, mm-hmm. also like entering this comedy scene that is still like so overwhelmingly white? Mm-hmm. Like talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that um, Miami's cool, you know, because it has a lot of different kinds of Latin culture, uh, every kind of, you know, Argentinian, Peruvian, Ecuadorian, Dominican, Cuban. Um, And then, you know, I really liked L.A. I felt like L.A. is the same with Asian cultures. Like, you can find any kind of Asian culture. Um, But I just, like... I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I have to be around just Dominican people. I have to be, I have to be close to my family. You know, I'm not like that. I have like a really weird relationship with my family. Uh-huh. I love my family, but like, I'm not someone who's like, oh, I, I don't want to be far away from them. That's not the case. Gotcha. But I didn't like LA because I constantly felt similar, similarly a little bit to Japan, where I was constantly like having to justify myself. Mm. Um, people didn't understand, like, my ethnic background. I couldn't get any semblance of my culture at all. Like, you know, if I want, you know, some, one of my favorite things to eat, like, if I'm, like, really having a bad day or something is mofongo. It's so hearty and, like, heavy. And I'm like, oh, I just want, like, some mofongo. And so, and I, like, can't get that. You can't, you really can get that in L.A. And, like, L.A., like, to go to Dominican salon, like, you know, there you have to drive two hours, and it's like really expensive and stuff. Yeah. So, um, New York was a place where I can like, oh, I you can, can get mofongo in New York. <laughs> I can get everything. I can go get ramen. I can get mofongo. I can get really good Chinese food. Yeah. I can meet all kinds of people. I can, you know, you know, not even just that, like Ethiopia, like open up yeah. my life um, more and get access. And when I want to. I can, you know, retreat back or, you know, when I want to try yeah. something else. So that's That is I the really benefit like. of everything being on top of each other. And, yeah. Because you know, in L.A., everything's so spread out and you got to go find it and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really, that's what I really love yeah. about New York. I think. And were you doing comedy, by the way, when you were in L.A. or no, Miami? No, no. So that happened when you got to New York. That happened when I got to New York. So New York's like my home for that. I feel like uh, comedy being so white, I think like. It's tough because it's really tough. Like, you're trying to find your voice. You know, there's all these institutions that make it seem like it's a meritocracy, mm. but it's not. You mm. know, it's basic. you know, it's it's super you're subjective. God damn right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, they say, like, oh, this person's objectively funnier than you, and they're not. You know what I mean? And It's, it's just, just like, who wrote the rules? Who wrote the rules? And, you know, a white guy. But they don't see, you know, the thing is, like, they don't see them, or just now they're starting to see, like, oh, it is not as objective as we thought, or, you know, because they really thought they were being unbiased and by the book, but it's just not the case. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of, like, comedic voice, you know, when I would go to, like, DCM and stuff, it was, like, my first experience, like, yeah, comedy was really my first experience around, like, a ton of white people. Mm. And, like, comedy is, like, yeah, when I go to DCM, I'm, like, this is what it would be, like, to go to a white high school, like, <laughs> with, like, tons of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I had no, because, again, my college was, like, a lot of, mostly Asian people, mm. you know, like, probably, like, 75% Asian. Yeah. Um. So, they, you know, they have a, you know, I have a whole experience, you know, that's just different than, like, you know, beating a whole bunch of, like, White people from Ohio. Yeah. Um, 
And even like, even like, uh, I watched Home Alone. I think I posted this a few years ago. Like I watched Home Alone like, like two, one or two years ago. And I was like, yo, I get it. All y'all are just Kevin McAllister's. Like, you guys are just badass white boys from the middle of fucking nowhere, Chicago. Like, acting, you know what I mean? But yeah, 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 yeah. I think, like, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, and as, like, creating your voice and stuff, like, you know, again, there's just so much more, you know, it's opening up and there, you know, so many opportunities to, like, hear marginalized voices yeah. and stuff. And you're and someone who's done a great job of actually, like, carving out that space and making those projects. Right? Oh, like you thank start, you. Like, you start, like, diverse as fuck. Yeah. You have Flex Mag going, like, tell, because a lot of the people who listen to this are, like, my mom's friends. So tell, so tell them what, what those things well, are. Well, mom's friends, if you have a lot of money, you can Venmo me a million to marry. Oh, kidding. Yeah. Um, you're not kidding. I am. You actually got people Venmoing you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I can't say. I, I can't wait until it gets to the point where it's enough that you have to like report it to the IRS. No, I will never report it. Um, <laughs> you'll never get me. Um, I had to stop posting that. I mean, the white forgiveness project. That's a whole fucking other podcast. Yeah. But um, well, I want to answer your question. Oh yeah. Okay. So you know, you're building. You know, like. Still, like, all this time doing comedy, like, I'm still, like, building and learning and crafting my voice into what it is. And I find, like, yeah, like, the White Forgiveness Project, which was when, after Trump won, I made a sketch. I was making tons of sketch videos. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do a serve. You know, and I just heard from a lot of people of color, like, who were frustrated, like, oh, you know, after Trump won, all these white people were reaching out to me like, hey, are you okay? Or like, hey, I'm not like that, you know? Oh. Hey, I'm, you know, like that's what people were doing to a lot of, like a lot of my friends and peers. And then yeah. also there was this guy who, this is crazy. Because like Orange County where I went to college, like I would compare it to like going to college in like Chappaqua. Okay. Like it's like really pretty and whatever, but it's like kind of nothing to do in like middle of nowhere and then also and the fucking clintons live there yeah but you know i would say even more well orange county is more conservative too it's like super racist there mm. so i would go like you know again i'm black in the in the west coast i get you know i guess this would have happen everywhere but i get like followed around stores i couldn't have my book bag in the store mm -hmm. they make they check my receipt because they think i'm gonna steal something and i'm just like man or like they'd be like oh you can't afford this and stuff so i remember like in a thread i was like in a facebook group or facebook uh comment thing and i we we're talking about trayvon martin and i was like orange county is super racist and this guy's like no no it's not this white guy from orange county that went to our school and we were going back and forth and i'm like man fuck you and i like blocked him or i deleted his uh, I like unfriended him or whatever. Uh -huh. Then a few years later, you know, after Black Lives Matter became a thing and stuff, because Black Lives Matter became a thing like, you know, after Michael Brown, which was like much, much later yeah. than Trayvon. Um, he DMs me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm really sorry about like what I said. You know, I realized like since then I've reflected and, so, and I was like, oh, okay, like this is really cool. Like, and he's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, and I'm like, you know, he really tried to really sincerely apologize. Let me, you know, and I'm like, hey, it's fine. We're all learning, whatever. And then, like, 
two days later, he's like, hey, can I screenshot this conversation and no. post it on Facebook? Um, no. Because, so, like, people no. can learn how to apologize. And I That's was like. That's not why he wants to post it. And I was like, oh, if you want to do this, then you need to pay me. Because you don't actually care about my feelings or what the yeah. fuck. You just want to feel better about yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, you know what? Just fucking pay me. That and then that's when trash. I came up with why forgiveness, where it's like, if you want forgiveness... That's an amazing Trump, origin story. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, if you want to, if you want to, like, feel better about yourself, and you want to be absolved of your sins as a white person, like, Venmo me. <laughs> and, like, it was really... And I, I made this fucking video. I didn't think anybody would watch it. And, um, I mean, it relatively, like, you know, it got, it got, like, 20,000 views on Facebook, but Facebook video views, I mean... And then on YouTube, it got Shots like maybe fired like at Facebook video. Well, because it's like, it's a, it's a scam. But yeah. anyway, um, you know, and I just kept getting like more and more. And then people started sending me money. And then I would write like um, my thoughts about it. You know, like I'd like cuss them out. I'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. and then like post it. But then the more I was posting, the more I was getting. And it was just like a way, it became really taxing on me, like mentally. Yeah. Like, to be processing, you know, it's like funny, but then it's like processing, it's like because yeah, people have real. confessions, like of like this one guy. Um, he put his name on it, so John Tro, you know, like uh, wrote that he really liked this black girl, and like they made out once, and like he ruined it because he thought he was gonna disappoint her, um, sexually because he was convinced that she only you know like slept yeah. with other black guys yeah, yeah. and like that's like a real thing that i have felt sometimes like with dating people outside my, and like to have that like dumped like lol here's two dollars it's like this is you know i mean that's yeah. just a light example i have sure, like much heavier I'm sure, ones yeah. but then i was like i have to stop doing and then also as like a comedian as an artist i really struggle with like you know i don't want my whole comedy brand or my whole, like, you know, I want my, you know, I want to use my art to, like, highlight issues and this and that. But I also, like, want, I feel like me just being visible, like, as a woman of color, you know, whatever, Dominican, you know, being, like, plus size. Or, you know, like, just having visibility um, is enough that I can do any kind of comedy. I don't have to. But I just yeah. don't want to be defined by my relationship to white people. Or I don't want it. I don't want all my comedy to be shitting on white people. Totally. I don't want it to just be that. Like I am more of a human being. Like I'm bigger than fu- like fucking white. Pe- you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really had to also think like, what is my brand? You know, like what I brand is sounds so stupid. No, but, like, but it's necessary. What is my voice? It's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. What is my voice like? What do I want to put out in the world? Like, what's the point of everything? You know. So yeah. that's when I was like, is I that is that what you feel like in terms of what you're working on now? Like trying to build more of an act that's outside of that world. I feel like I've been doing it for you know the past few years now since I stopped doing it, and I feel like. You know, um, you know, I'm always trying to like refine and tighten up my voice. Um, but yeah, like I'm always trying to refine and tighten up my voice, but I think it, you know, I feel comfortable saying that it's not, that it is outside of, you know, my relationship to white people or like racism or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it is a big part of it, of course, but for sure. Yeah. That um, should never go. Yeah. It should never go away. I'm not going to say that, but I also like talk about like 
dating or like whatever, you know, I mean, I don't even, you know, yeah. my thoughts are like about dating or work or, you know, other stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Just totally. like about me. Um, and I'm still refining. I'm like, my Twitter jokes and stuff are about all kinds of dumb shit. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like freedom to be dumb. That's why I like, I like with, that freedom to be dumb. It, but that is like, I mean, like, because like, Lord knows, like those all those Kevin McAllisters, they're free to be as dumb as they want. They're dumb, and they can just do dumb shit, and that's fine. And I mean, I think like this was a perfect, you know, when we did Daff, uh-huh. like like we get like hundreds of applications, which is like I'm so amazed every year that when we do that, but um, when we get so many applications, uh, and we're going through the acts and stuff, and this guy had. Um, Danny Hastings, he just had like air tambales, which is like air guitar, but it's tambales, like the little drums, like Tito Puente. <laughs> Tito Puente players plays tambales. Yeah. So he's like, air tambales, I do a thing. And I was just like, we're like, this is so fucking stupid. We have to do it. Yes. And he did it and he fucking killed it. He was just like, and he had it like down pack and he had like a whole routine and stuff. Yeah, that's was, fucking amazing. And it was just so dumb. Yeah. And it was literally like, Three minutes of that. Yeah. Like, it was a three to five minute song, and he was just doing the But air. I think that's so... And it's just like, That's yeah. so the right instinct, because it's like not... It, it, any art that comes from a marginalized group shouldn't be, shouldn't be like, required to be this, like, deep, thoughtful exactly. thing. And just like every, like, movie made by black people doesn't need to be 12 Years a Slave. Like, well, even that's, like, a whole fucking thing, because yeah. that's, like, black, like, black pain pornography or whatever. Right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. still, like, yeah. Like, but that's an example of, like, yeah, we can just do dumb fun shit like what you know what i mean yeah. and like that's what that's what i that's why i do comedy it's to do both right to have this art form where i can be like talking about shit and then i also can just do air tambal you know yeah, yeah. Do all air tambalas and i love that when the guy got off stage keys is all there's like yes we get to be dumb and stupid too and, <laughs> and the guy's wife was just like oh my god <laughs> She was so embarrassed, but it was so cute. I'm so excited. Uh, I hope he does it again. I love that. Ah, uh, da- uh, yeah, Danny Hastings. He's great. Shout out Danny Hastings. Okay. Yes. He's I... like in his 40s and has like a 10-year-old daughter. Yo, I'm so <laughs> proud of him. I'm so proud of him. He's really cool. I love him. <laughs> okay, cool. I feel like we're uh, almost at time, or like mm-hmm. we're pretty much winding down. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to touch on? You want me to tell me how those hinge dates are going? Oh, good. Um... <laughs> Well, dating's tough. Uh, dating's always tough. Yeah. All dick is trash. That's another. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even mention all dick is trash. Yeah. Ooh. Which is at this point like a lifestyle brand. I think so. I think so. We should make some mugs. I think. Mugs. I'm surprised there isn't merch. Is there merch? No, there is. There's two. There's two iterations of t-shirts. I'm thinking we should make some mugs. Um, I think yeah, all dick is trash came from. I mean, I think dating is hard, and then, you know, again, like, everything goes back to race, and, like, you know, you're told, like, a certain kind of woman is, like, pretty. Yeah. You know, like, straight hair, like, skinny, white, yeah. like, even, like, you know, yeah, and the, it's, but it's changing now, you know? For sure, yeah. Uh, Just the fact that people are aware that the idea of like your concept of what is beauty is a socialized concept. Like yeah. it helps a lot for people to know that. Yeah. Like it's so predicated on where you come from and who your parents are and mm-hmm. like what kind of people you grew up around and what TV you fucking watched and all that. Yeah. Shit. So I think like, this is like super, but I think, um, you know, I grew up, you know, around a lot of black and Latino people and, um, yeah, I think, 
you know, I just saw, like, my cousins and stuff and, like, people in my family, like, not treating women right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, you know, like, a lot of, like, white guys kind of reach it. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, fucking, my whole thing is, like, how can I, like, win this game or, like, play this game or whatever? Um, what game? The, the dating? The, the dating game. Like, how can I not get hurt, you <laughs> Okay, know? yeah, yeah, So then I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to date an Asian guy. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be always, like, two steps ahead. Because, <laughs> like, wow. my dumbass... Sounds like a healthy-ass relationship. Jesus. My dumbass, like, view of the world based on media is, like, media only shows, like, Asian guys as, like, nerds or this and that. They don't show them as, like, playboys or, you know, mm -hmm. that, like, like very recently they have. But, yeah. like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my whole, like, con, like... My whole thing, like, when I first moved to New York, I only dated, like, nerdy-ass Asian guys. And I always got played so hard. I was like, damn! I was supposed to be ahead of the game. How did I get fucking played? That sounds like yeah. you're creating a new stereotype. Yeah, no. I, then, I, then that's when I, you know, and then people just try to have all these cheat codes to dating of, like, oh, I'm not going to date comedians, or I'm only going to date this kind of guy, or I'm not going to date any more finance guys. Or, you know, I'm not going to date any guy who won't let me choke him. But the thing is that... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pause. Just, the uh, you pause. know, whatever. Like, But uh, the thing is that there are no chicos. All dick is trash. That's why it came up for... like, And then also, too, when guys are shitty to you, you know, you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? Maybe if I was prettier, maybe if I was skinnier, maybe if I this, maybe if I that, they would treat me better. But... That's not real either. It's just all because trash. <laughs> it's gotta be trash no matter what. It's a what. philosophy. It's, it's a, a philosophy. philosophy, and then it just becomes freeing of like, oh, you know what? Like, all because trash. Of course, like fundamentally, hashtag not all men or whatever. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. But nobody really needs to hear that shit. Well, also, you know, it's like, um, it's like policemen, right? Like, of course, there are good cops, but systemically, just like men have been socialized. You know, unfortunately, to not be accountable or not, like, have to think about how their actions affect other people. Mm. And, like, not to, like, process their emotions, like, verbally. There's a lot of things that men aren't socialized. Like, I'm aware of that, too, you know? So, you know, in these navigating relationships, they become very unkind and all this stuff, you know, that... that all this stuff like wrapped around but like to say like well some men are like this is just, like no like for the most part like society did not socialize men to be to have any kind of responsibility for their actions or anything mm. um and like that's just something to be aware of am i gonna go into every si single si but it's just something to keep in the back of my hand just like just like with the police when they pull over a friend or something like all right i'm gonna get my camera phone out i'm gonna be on i'm, I'm, I'm on my toes same thing with guys i'm like okay What's your fucking deal? I don't know. Like, <laughs> we're going to find out. Okay. Oh, you want me to sit on your face? Oh, great. Um, which is something, literally, something like a guy was like. Immediately? Hey, yes. Like, we're talking on Tinder. He's like, uh, I like queening. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, when someone sits on my face. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Holy shit. I mean, look. I mean, also, too, I know, like, the kind of energy I give out in the world. Uh -huh. um, and I attract a lot of very weird like subsur not weird because whatever you know everyone has their thing what you get like lot. submissive people yes a lot oh yeah. my god and you know yeah and i'm not i'm like oh i want a manly man it's not like that but it's just like i get vibes like i'm able to you know that's also comes with like age and experience mm -hmm. 
I'm able to read people more, you know, and like see kind of the energy they're giving. And, you know, there's energy. I get a lot of energy from guys. It's like, they just want a mom. They just want someone to tell them what to do. Like, Ugh, you yeah. know, seriously. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's like, they want a mom. They don't want, but they want a mom, but like also not um, commit to, you know, they also yeah. want to be able to fuck other people. I, I tweeted about this. I, these guys don't want girlfriends. They just want moms they can cheat on. And <laughs> that's, that's true. Like, it's like, yeah, they want you to like unconditionally love them and like give up the emotional labor and all that stuff. Uh, but they don't want to, they want to be able to fuck anyone. And it's like, no, dog. Uh, I'm not your fucking mom. And like before, I, got, I have a whole thing and I'll, then we can wrap it up. But like, <laughs> again, I feel like um, because men, you know, aren't socialized, like, oh, like, like if a woman never has a boyfriend, you know, she still has her girlfriends, like, I'm having a rough day today, or I didn't get this promotion, or I feel kind of right. sad. Yeah. That's like, and you, the friends like can talk about this stuff, but like, I feel like men aren't socialized that way. Like men aren't. Yeah. Like, oh man, I'm having a really tough day. That they, they totally wait, they hard only, agree, hard agree. Yeah, they wait till they have girlfriends so they can talk this st- stuff out. Or it comes out in really in terrifying anger. ways. Yeah. Yeah, in anger, like their own. The only emotion they know how to process is anger. Um, you know, or they're like not know how to process, but like are conditioned to that it's okay for them to process is anger. So, um, so yeah, there, there, I've encountered a lot of guys who, um, say that they want something casual. They're not looking for anything serious. And then, you know, you're like, okay, like, you know, this isn't before. Now, if a guy says that, I'm like, no. Um, but what sometimes whatever, like. It's hard because you don't know. You're like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I don't know what I like. I want something serious, but I don't know if I want it with you, Jeff. Like, yeah, let's fucking relax. Chill here. the fuck out, Jeff. Yeah, but um, you know, so then they're like, oh, I want something casual. Okay, uh, then they start telling you about their mom. Ugh. They start sleeping over. They start unloading on you. Yeah, and then you're like, oh well, he's unloading on me. Like this is. Not something well, casual. It's like you don't know what casual means. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's exactly it. That's the point. Is that they don't know what casual means. Yeah. Because they're just so excited to like have somebody who listens to them. And, like, right. They can unload on. and Or you know, rather, like they've been conditioned to think casual is a mom that I can cheat on. Like, exactly. And then, you know, and then when the when the woman, or, you know, and this is super like hetero, like, but when the, as a woman, you're like, oh, well, this and that. And then he's like, well, I told you that I wanted something casual. Like, why do you, you know, when they start talking about, like, dating someone else or, like, not texting anybody, it's like, well, why do you think I told you I wanted something casual? And it's like, yeah, but you weren't acting like that. You're like, you don't know what casual means. Like, this is, like, a re- the real conversations I've had over and over again, you know. And, like, it sucks to go into something um, and be, like, you know, and somebody's, like, telling. But now I, I fucking know the game. And when they start talking about their mom or this and that or whatever, like, just like, wow, that's crazy. So, uh, you know what I mean? That's what they fucking do to you, Like, oh, that's crazy. So, um, you want to go hang out in my room? Like, I don't fucking care. You know what I mean? Because I'm not going to do Well, you have to protect yourself. You have to protect yourself. And, like, look, you know, I'm almost 30. 
And if someone said, Millie, here's this unpaid internship that there's no room for growth and it's not even, it might not even be in the field that you don't even fucking want to be in. And you work for exposure. Well, not even. It's like, it's like, Millie, there's this like photography internship. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do photography. And it's like, well, there's no room for growth and you'll never get paid. And it's like. You, if I told you that, you'd be like, no, don't do that fucking internship. There's no point. It's the same thing with these guys. Wow. Unpaid internship. That's really fucking hard. It's really hard to take someone else's emotional yeah. shit. And then you're just like, okay. And then often when you talk about yourself or what I've experienced is when I start talking about my stuff, that's when it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh, that fucking blows. I know. I'll dig this trash. Dating sucks. Let's leave it. Yeah, there. I know. Like, <laughs> can't wait to check my hinge messages. Uh, so this is uh, this is gonna come out next week. So do you have like any shows you want to plug for the rest of the month or whatever? Um, I have to check my phone. Or you could just like plug your social media. Yeah, you could do. You could follow me on. Uh, Twitter is a lactose intolerant. <laughs> Uh, but my name at Millie Tamarez, M-I-L-L-Y-T-A-M-A-R-E-Z. Instagram is uh, Millie on Fire or Millionaire, depending on how you look at it. Except Ooh, for I never even noticed that. Millionaire Shit. or Millie on Fire. Um, it's a four instead of an M. <laughs> that, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, you know, it's not beauty. It's also brains, too. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Thank doing you this. <laughs> Goodbye. Check them hinge messages. Bye. And that's it for another week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Millie for coming in. Thank you to Simple Studios for letting me use your facilities. Uh, Thank you to anybody who has subscribed or downloaded this show. Please keep telling people about it. I'm trying to get the word out there as much as possible. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, uh, and hopefully a bunch more places soon. Uh, I'm really excited about having more conversations with mixed and first-gen creative humans. Thank you so much, and I will see you. I won't see you. You'll hear me again next week. (laughs) Okay, bye, everybody.